Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the TGC Canada podcast, Worship God. We're so happy that you're with us. We're happy to be here. I'm Jody Cross, your host, and I've got some great guys with me today. Rob Brockman. Hello, Rob. And hello, Pat Sabell. Hey, guys. We kind of like, like to think East Coast, West Coast. We're more central, but, you know, we'll pretend we're East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. We're in between and on the other side of the East Coast, too. Well, we are uh, delighted to be with you today. And uh, we've been going for a number of months now. And today, our topic is about how worship leaders handle praise. In fact, actually, we have a two-parter. Next time we gather together, we're going to be talking about how worship leaders handle criticism. Praise is a little easier to handle, I think, than criticism, but really, really both are important, and um, it's just the reality of, of what we do. And as we start, you know, I'm reminded of the fact that in 1 Thessalonians 5, the Bible says to encourage one another and build each other up. So worship leaders, you would probably all agree that we need a real healthy dose of affirmation and encouragement because the work is hard. And uh, there's a lot of critics, and there's a lot of difficulties, a lot of bumps, particularly in the time that we're living in. So we love encouragement, we love affirmation, and probably most of us don't get as much as we need. And that's okay. We're servants of the Lord, and, and we'll serve, and we have his affirmation. However, there is an underbelly to praise and affirmation, and our own flesh longs to hold on to this and to turn it into something that perhaps it shouldn't be. So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to look at praise and what we do with it and how it uh, really needs to be dealt with in a biblical and godly way so that it doesn't start to eat away at our souls. I start with Proverbs 27, 21. This is a great verse. It says, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and a man is tested by his praise. I think that's, um, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for us to know that we are tested by our praise. What do we do with this? Guys, um, just thinking about some of the things you might have heard in your worship leading days, maybe as recently as last Sunday, what are some things that people have said to you that you've appreciated? Hmm. Well, so I'll go first. Um, you know, so there's some things that I appreciate, like um, people will come up and they'll just say, man, like I really uh, felt like um, the Lord was present with me hmm. in this time. And something like that encourages me that the, that the spirit of encouragement is moving amongst the people and encouraging them. That's a, that's a great compliment for me. Uh, it's not even towards me, but it's just, it's letting the worship leader know that, man, God, God moved in my heart today through the preaching, through the singing. Um, and, and often I'll try to get more specific. I'll go, oh, cool. Tell me how and what happened. And I love those moments. But for me, that's one of the best compliments, I think, affirmations mm -hmm. that I can get. Um, it's nothing to do really with what I've done, but uh, it's, it's great to hear. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, we, we, we're on a stage, we're a band, we're singing. And often, I think in our culture, people on a stage in a band, uh, there's a temptation to you know, feel like the band's doing their thing and we're here and you need to perform for us or do whatever you're doing. And um, so I, I think when we're doing our job well and we're, we're exalting Christ, we're the lyrics, uh, you know, the, the music is accompanying the truths that we're singing in a sweet way and people get that. So once in a while, you know, someone to say, hey, um, I was just so impacted by these lines of the song we were singing. Then I feel like that's that's some of the greatest encouragement because what we're trying to do often is just like 
you know, I always talk about spreading a banquet feast of Christ. We want, we want to, we want to hold Christ up in a sense as the worship team and say, and so when people get that, when we say, look at, can you see how glorious and beautiful Jesus is? Mm-hmm. What he's, what he, who he is and what he's done for you. And then for someone to come and say, when you were leading this morning, um, I, I just saw in these lyrics, I saw the gospel afresh. I saw Jesus uh, in, a, in a real special way. I think that's the most encouraging. Mm-hmm. And, and for people to be that clear, that articulate to say, you know, it was this, this morning, um, that's helpful. Amen, it is. You know, the scripture just talks about our gift of, of exhortation to exhort people. When we know that people have been encouraged, um, they've been built up, They've been strengthened. That's great. It's just it's just like water for a dry soul. Yeah. And so affirmation comes, I think, in a bunch of different ways. Sometimes it's like God is awesome. God is good. God spoke to me. It's right there. Sometimes <laughs> the band, the band is awesome. Sometimes it's you're awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we love to hear the God is awesome piece. Yeah. The band is awesome. We can. You know, we can say that's that's great. You know, we we work hard at this. I'm glad that's helpful. Some of the trouble is when people start saying you're awesome. Yeah. And um, so you know, I've heard people say things like the worship was great today. Okay. And as you said, Rob, we want to tease that out and actually go a little bit deeper. Sometimes people can say, "Oh, brother, you are such a blessing." Okay. There's some encouragement and some affirmation, but that can go sideways. Some, you know, sometimes people say you, you play so well, or uh, you sing so well, or, you know, I love the songs that you chose today. The band sounded awesome. Or how about this one? You are truly an anointed worship leader. <laughs> okay? okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's lots of things that, that we've heard and some are more directly exalting Christ and some are, more directly exalting us. And that's what we need to to be careful about. And um, this quote from Bob Coughlin that I wanted to draw out, it says, whether we're up in front of 10 people or 10,000, we all crave the same thing. Attention. We want to be the center of the world, even if for a few moments thinking we deserve at least a portion of the glory that rightly belongs to God alone. Wow. Mm. That is a sober, and I think an honest statement and one we should ponder. And, uh, you know, the problem is platform ministry tests us and recognition tests us, and we can begin to feed on it and feed off of it in an unhealthy way. And Rob, you've got some, some, some thinking about that just in terms of how, uh, you know, we're so tempted to step in front of the cross as opposed to be behind it. Yeah. I, I think the funny thing to me about, evangelical the reward the rewards you get from the evangelical world often for ministry are the very things that can destroy your ministry which is fame recognition approval a spotlight and it's such a double-edged sword because that's the very thing that our hearts crave Mm -hmm. unfortunately our carnal flesh craves that and it's kind of scary to think that sometimes that's kind of what's given to us by the church. And, and we, again, we, we don't, we all accept that praise and affirmation can be good. And it, we should, we're meant to affirm one another. We're meant to encourage one another, but it's, you know, what am I seeking when I'm on stage? What am I looking for? And if I'm up there looking for my church to be my source of affirmation, encouragement, praise, 
ego. If I start feeding off of my people, I think that for, for those carnal things, I think that can be pretty dangerous. And so I always got to ask myself, like, what, what am I looking for when I'm feeling like I need affirmation? Like, what really am I, what am I looking for? Am I looking just to know the Lord has me in the right place? Well, the Lord tells me that, not, not necessarily the crowd and whether or not their hands were up or not. That doesn't give me an affirmation of whether or not the Lord's pleased with me and my ministry. And so what am I looking for and where am I searching after? And and in Christopher Ashe's book, Zeal Without Burnout, he's got a little chapter in there where he talks about how actually um, seeking praise and worldly success can actually lead to burnout in ministry. And it makes total sense. If you think about it, if I'm looking for affirmation, if I'm looking for my church to, to shower me with praise and to develop my brand and to develop my kind of rob and my presence, um, what can end up happening is if when I'm not getting that, well, I start looking, I start working harder. I start doing more to try to get it. And uh, in, in the few book, he recommends a couple ways of dealing with this. One is, Hey, define success correctly. What, how do I define success according to my ministry? What is, you know, is, and he says this ministry isn't about numbers. It's about faithfully preaching, teaching, and loving the people. So if that's my definition of success. Then that makes it a lot easier. Um, so as a worship leader, success isn't praise and affirmation. It's helping people get an accurate view of God. It's spreading the feast, as Pat was saying, helping them see Christ see ourselves in light of Christ so that they can praise him and worship him. But the second thing that he says is share the load, like discipleship, like don't be the all-star. Don't try, try to work your way out of a job, build into other people, equip other leaders, encourage them so that you're offsetting all that attention. And the, and the quicker we can starve ourselves of maybe what we're, our flesh is seeking, I think the better. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> a, a friend of mine um, many years ago, uh, I heard him often say, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, laying your head down on the pillow, and there would be this, he 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 would call it transfer the glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's, I think there's a recognition that, that you know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, I think, what, is, what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you, if you received it, then why do you boast? There's a sense where I think when, when people say, you know, great job, the band was good or whatever, I mean, that, that, that can be good praise as well. It's just what are we doing with that? Because God did give us these gifts. He did give us these these. Uh, they're a means of grace in people's lives, but what do we do with them when we when we receive that praise? I think, I think first off, there should be gratitude and thankfulness. Like, wow! Like, God has been good to me. Like, God has been so kind to me that I get to stand up every week on that stage with these brothers and sisters on my team. Mm. And how often do I express to them, guys? Do you realize how good God is? Uh, I travel a bit, and when I travel. Um, I hear all the time someone say, uh, oh, I got a great drummer for you <laughs> when you come. And I, what I've learned is often um, people's definition of a great drummer <laughs> is not necessarily a great drummer. 
But what, when I come home and, I, and I'm doing a rehearsal, playing with my, with my band, uh, sometimes I'll just stop in the middle of the song and say, thank you. Like, I don't thank you enough. I'm, and, and I'm so grateful that God has brought us together. But, but then when we hear that praise and then we, we just recognize that this band and everything that we have is, is, is such a good gift from God. It's all from him. And so when I, when I lay my head on the pillow, if God has used me or my worship team in any way in that day uh, to, to be a means of grace in people's lives, I should be laying my head on that pillow and saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the way that you have equipped us and brought the people into our church that are here. Um, thank you. And, and, and whatever's good happened today in the hearts and lives of people is all because of your amazing grace in my life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's because of grace that we are what we are. Mm. And that, boy, that's such an important reminder. And, um, you know, just the whole idea of stealing glory. Uh, I've heard a phrase that says there's a cycle of grief and the cycle of grace. And the cycle of grief actually works for God's love based upon performance. So sometimes I think what we're craving, Rob, back to what you said, is just that we're so hungry to know that we're loved that we think we have to work for God and get his acceptance. And sometimes we think we're so hungry for affirmation that we have to please people. And that's a whole, those are whole different conversations in terms of, you know, but it's still very related, people pleasing and trying to please God. And the reality is the Bible says that we have God's love and his favor and his affection already in Christ. Mm -hmm. Nothing we can do to, to change that, to increase it to grow it he loves us because he loves his son and we're in christ and if we don't get that piece right as you said we're going to crave it and look for it in all the wrong places yeah and uh that sets up this cycle of grief that we just are affirmation junkies and uh, right. we're looking to the wrong people and yeah. you know the when we do that the trouble is that we actually stand in front of the cross uh, Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, that's my name, my glory I give to no other, mm -hmm. or my praise to carved idols. And when we seek to steal the glory, boy, that's that's a problem. And it's a very big problem, particularly when it's in the very place that glory is meant to be given to God. Right. That, right. The, the music team, the worship team, they're to ascribe and magnify, ascribe glory to God and magnify Him. Mm -hmm. And if there's stealing going on, if there's tucking away like the sin of Achan, you know, just I want to tuck a little bit of it in my, my pocket here. I yeah. just want a little bit of glory and bring it home with me as opposed to giving it all to God. Mm. Uh, there's a very real, very real danger. Stephen Miller says this. He says, um, fame and glory are well-trained assassins. They have slain many who have pursued mm. them for themselves. Mm. And I think we've already talked about it today that popularity and success and recognition is is troubling and you know part of the problem is if if god blesses your ministry and more people hear about you or sing your songs or come to your church or whatever and uh you know you could start to think wow i am pretty good <laughs> or we're pretty good yeah it's like but there's an assassin waiting to, to take you out right yeah, yeah. And there seems to be pressure from the outside because you know they the the amount of celebrity worship leaders or you know, there, there's, there's all, there seems to be this, like, we're trying to become better. And often the better is externals and, and not where, you know, I was thinking of the, uh, the text in Peter is speaking of, of um, 
you know, the, the, the women, let them be beautiful on the inside and outside. Yeah. I, I don't know what the scripture is. Adorn but yourself with beauty, yeah. In, inwardly yeah. and outwardly, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think, I mean, this, this is obviously not the same, <laughs> not the context we're talking about here, but there's this sense where we're inwardly, uh, we sh- that should be our focus. Like, how do we how do how do we make sure that Christ is the center, and and then we're serving God's people, and it's not so much about hey the latest YouTube video that we we saw is just so amazing, and if we could just copy that, mm-hmm. and then and then there's this you know this longing for praise that that um, that shouldn't be there if we're if we're genuinely rightly worshiping Jesus. So yeah, I feel like I've been, I was thinking about this today, like just how covetousness i wonder how much of that plays into this need for praise and affirmation you mm. know the worship it's 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 weird but the evangelical worship world it's it's got such a culture to it and i wonder if you go back you know uh you know three four thousand years and if the worship if there was this weird culture within the levitical world of worship and did David have to battle the same kind of culture of worship? It's just a strange thing I find that we, we, we see in the church and it's covetousness. I think it's like you're saying, Pat, going onto YouTube and seeing all these great cool bands um, and going, man, like I wish I looked, I wish we looked that way. And then that, it also stirs a lot of lack of appreciation for your people. Cause now you're getting irritated at your own drummer because you know, he's just, you know, just kind of not doing anything fun. You're getting irritated at your piano player who's not, doesn't know how to play the riffs. And it's just covetousness. It's just ugly sinfulness that just drives that. And um, I think we need to be on guard for that too. Just kind of like, why do, why do we feel like we need to model ourselves off of what we're seeing in, in the culture? And I think it's just a very, I don't mean oppressive in a negative way, but it's just there. It's present, this worship world. And we all just want to kind of have a piece of it. And that can be dangerous too. Mm-hmm. You guys, um, I don't know if you were ever did youth ministry, but I started out as a pastor 32 years ago, working with youth. And in the day it was like, so how big is your youth group? 13 kids? Oh, yours is 27. And so you'd feel like, okay, I'm like batting yeah. 50% of what this guy down the road is. And this guy yeah. up the street, he has 65 kids. Like, what's he doing that I'm not doing? I, I'm just right. like 15 kids. And I suspect that same kind of comparison and envy happens, whether it's the church down the street or the, the YouTube video yeah. or the worship movement that you see. It's like, I'm nothing like that. And, you know, we want to be something different than God's given us. And there's yeah. this, this longing to measure up. And I think there's mm-hmm. this craving. And again, just saying, you know, Lord, our, our desire for um, affirmation is from you. And we want to, Lord, say that, you know, uh, what we've done is pleasing to you. Yeah. So those are things that we really have to push out as culture, as you said, kind of closes in, right? That's Romans 12. Don't let the world squeeze you yeah. into a mold. Don't, don't be mm-hmm. conformed to the thinking. And we've already talked about the fact that uh, keeping our eyes vertical is so crucial. If we look horizontally to be people pleasing, uh, we're going to be in trouble. Keep your eyes on who Jesus is, the glory and the greatness of our God. We're doing it for him. The right motives. Uh, actually, that's just a, a huge thing for us in this whole discussion is, why do I do what I do? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, what's my motivation for being up there for the drummer, for the electric guitar player, for the vocalist, for the solo, for the 
the song service, whatever we do, what, what is our motive mm -hmm. and whose praise are we looking for? And yeah, I just think back to the Beatitudes. Jesus says this in uh, the first part of uh, Matthew chapter six. He says, these guys are praying and they're doing everything and they're giving, but they're doing it for the praise of men. They're doing it to be seen and recognized. It's like it's zero. And he says, don't do this. Right. And when you pray and when you give, like let your heart pure motive be that your father in heaven will reward you. Mm. Um, so let's just turn the corner for a second. I, I want to ask you the question, why, why do people give us praise and affirmation? What are some reasons? And maybe some of them are good reasons too. What can you think of? Oh man. Yeah. I, th I think there's, I think people genuinely are, are blessed. They're encouraged by, by our ministry and what we do. Um, you know, if I could say to, to those who give encouragement, uh, to be specific, be more specific, I think that would be helpful. Often it's just like, you know, you did a great job today. <laughs> um, or that was a great song. Um, you know, to maybe, maybe for us to learn to draw them out and say, well, tell me about that. What, what was it about the song that you thought was great? Or, um, so I, th I think, I think just overall as, as, um, as the church of Jesus Christ, we could do better at being more specific in our, uh, in our praise and, and encouragement. Um, yeah. And I, sometimes I feel like often praise and encouragement I get is simply just because it's coming from somebody's preference. Their preference was met. And so mm -hmm. they are, mm -hmm. they're thankful. Like, Oh, thanks right. for doing that hymn that I love. Mm -hmm. Thanks yeah. for doing. And, and again, that reflects a kind of a, an improper theology, even of worship there. Um, because it's like, again, it's like, Oh, the service was great. Why? Well, cause I liked it. Hmm. Okay. So that's why we're here to, to like what's going on. Oh, okay. I see now. And so as a teacher, you can, as a, as a, as a worship leader, you can use that as an opportunity um, to, you know, store that away and graciously, even in a moment go, Hey, you know, like, we're here to worship God. Like, and, and uh, what about the music? You know, was there something in there that w was phrased the right way that just made you grateful to God more trying to get people to, you know, in small ways, remember like, Hey, like, man, we're here to, and at the same time, we are here to encourage the body. We're here to encourage the saints. Let all the things be done for building up. Paul says. So, um, so it's not that we can, people can't just be encouraged and built up. That's good. But uh, sometimes their praise can come more from preference. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we need to be careful too, though, in in like receiving it, whatever kind of praise is coming. Um, I think often I've heard people say things like, you know, oh, you know, thank you, brother, but it wasn't me; it was the Lord. <laughs> I I've learned I've learned to say things like, uh, well, no, it certainly wasn't the Lord because it was. If it was the Lord, he would have done a far better job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, so there's a, I think there can be a, like a false humility. Yeah. Um, we, we don't, we don't want to like put something on. No, you did it. You, you were up there. You played the instrument. You led that song. You chose that song, receive that. And I think you could just graciously say, thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. That's very, very encouraging to my soul. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then you can go home and you can transfer the glory. Yeah. <laughs> you can say, Lord, thank you for, for using me in that way. But I think that, that false humility often you hear people, oh, no, it wasn't me. I, you know, I, 
Uh, that that hiding behind the cross, yes, amen. At the same time, you you know, we we have a treasure in jars of clay. <laughs> yes. So you're the you're the jar. There's a treasure, but you're still you're still a jar, and God uses that jar. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful to, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be that you're married, but when you're married, when you go home, uh, you're just dad or you're just you're yeah. the husband and, you know, you're not a celebrity. Uh, if there's any sense of celebrity at church or out in the, the greater Christian community, at home, you're just dad and your husband right. taking out the garbage, taking the dog for a walk and cleaning up after the dog. It just keeps you a, a real person and keeping... <laughs> Keeping your face in the Word of God keeps you a humble person. Yeah. So I think that's just a great thing that we, aside from the platform, aside from our music ministry, we just say, you know, Lord, continue to give me a humble and contrite spirit and to realize who the star of the show is. And that it reminds me of something I read in Max Lucado's book, and he it's called um, It's Not About You. Um, <laughs> that might be a good subtitle for this, uh, this question. It's not about you. It's not about me. But he makes the point in an art gallery, an art, um, a tour guide would direct people to the, the masterpiece, talk about it, talk about the artist, talk about the process, talk about the beauty, talk about all that's in the picture. And it's easy to actually want to take some credit for being so smart about what you're talking about. And almost that you steal the glory and physically or, you know, emotionally or philosophically stand in front of that picture and get people to want to really be impressed with you. Mm. and think that guy was really something very special but we obscure the masterpiece and we obscure the glory of the artist and so that's what he's talking about in this book and as i read that it's like yep that's so true right we we're so tempted to stand in front of the beauty and the glory yeah. and the majesty of god and just to, to steal it so i think remembering it's not about us is the first thing so in the time that we have left why don't we talk about um, we've already talked a couple of things, Pat, you've talked about laying those crowns down and, um, we talked about remembering that it's not about me. It's not about us. So what, what do we do with legitimate praise where someone is, is really very thankful. They've been helped deeply. They've been encouraged. They've been exhorted in their walk and they're leaving fueled up and filled up. So what do we do? Uh, what are some practical things we can leave with people that, Will help them to deal properly with legitimate praise. One thing that I would say is a good way to properly um, handle praise and to, to be able to learn how to do it well, like Pat's saying, being able just to graciously accept it and, and not a false humility, but also being able to go home and, and make sure that the Lord knows, Lord, thank you for the work you've done in my life. Thank you for the gifts that you've given me. It's your spirit in me, Lord. Thank you. Like my posture before God is that way is really working on just that generally in my heart. Um, you know, one of the qualifications of eldership that we see in Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, is this idea of self-denial and discipline. And it's part and parcel of what qualifies us to be leaders. Uh, it says this, an elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospital, able to treat, not a junkard. Uh, and he says in verse 5, if somebody doesn't know how to manage his own household, how can he care for God's church. And this idea that I need, I need to constantly be look at the gospel, look at Christ, remind myself who I am before him. And, and, and that I think really helps us be able to deal with praise. It helps us to have a healthy mindset where if somebody gives me praise, I'm not taking it like I'm so great, 
because I'm very aware that I, because I'm gospel soaked that, man, it's the Lord's grace. And I, I see where I was three years ago. I see where I saw, saw, see where I was a couple days ago and the Lord's moving in my life. And I can't take any credit for anything that I didn't do. I can take credit for the work that I put in, the hours I put in, the prayer that I put in, the service that was planned. And I think that's okay. But ultimately, I can't take praise for things that aren't mine. And so uh, Charles Bridges, in his book, The Christian Ministry, this is another um, great book to have. It's a little hard to slug through, but uh, it's a great book. It's very hard to slug through. It's very hard to slug through. Um, But... um, that's for you uh, pro-worship leaders out there. You can dig through that. But he says this, the dignified condescension of Jesus furnishes the best pattern for his service, servants. Essentially meaning that the Jesus model of coming humble, gentle, and lowly um, as a servant, that's our model. And I think if we can have that mindset, I'm a servant, I'm serving Christ the gospel saved me. I know who I am before him. I can't take credit for things that I shouldn't. I give glory to God. That's my job as the worship leader. I think that helps us um, practically mm-hmm. being able to just receive what we can receive and then give the rest to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think as John Stott, who said, how can anyone be arrogant when they stand beside the cross? Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we need to stay there beside the at the foot of the cross because we're constantly reminded that what we deserve is a cup that is filled flowing overflowing with the with the righteous holy wrath of god uh that should have been poured out on us against our many sins that we've committed against them but instead what all we will ever know is is a cup that is filled, overflowing with um, never-ending uh, steadfast love and abounding mercy and grace. Um, and when when we live there, when we live there at the foot of the cross, it was Thomas Watson, the the old one of the English Puritans, that said of pride. It's a spiritual drunkenness. It flies up like wine in the brain and intoxicates it. Hmm. He says it's an idol. It's it is idolatry. A proud man is a self worshipper. Hmm. And then he goes on to say that pride seeks to ungod God. Hmm. Um, and so we don't want to be proud. Proud people God opposes, but He gives abundant grace to humble people. And so God, I pray, God, make us humble people that stand by the foot of the cross and remember the kindness poured out on us through Jesus. And it's all because of Jesus that we get to do what we get to do. Mm-hmm. So true. Uh, in light with uh, your John Stott quote, um, I don't know if it was John Piper or Chuck Swindoll, but the idea of this quote was, um, we should just see how many quotes we can pull out in a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Give tallies. Yeah. They they said it better than we could. So what yeah, else? It's right. a, yeah. We got nothing original. It's all quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the idea of this quote was that nobody leaves the Grand Canyon impressed with themselves. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. You know, when you're at the cross, you don't you don't leave leave boasting of your own abilities or your own righteousness. And uh, mm-hmm. when we lead worship, we just need to remember that there's a master creator 
the holy and awesome God that gets all the praise. And as people encourage us and affirm us, we just need to remember that, number one, uh, the gifts of God uh, have been given to us. Mm -hmm. I think, Rob, you talked about that earlier. And the power of God in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit in us uses us and helps those gifts to impart grace to people. Mm -hmm. And the cross of Christ is what has saved us. And uh, we are his unworthy servants, gladly, joyfully surrendered and submitted. But if it wasn't for God's grace and his word and his spirit and his power and his anointing and his blessing, we'd have no ministry. Uh, we would right. be very hopeless and helpless. And so just, you know, that helps us to remember that God gets all the credit and Amen. he gets all the glory for what we're doing. Amen. Yeah. Well, guys, um, thanks for that discussion today. And uh, worship leaders, hopefully this has been an encouragement to you as you think through both the affirmation of God, his, his pleasure with you as you worship him from a right heart, from right motives, standing near the cross and keeping your eyes on the cross. And also your love for the servant, or love to be a servant of God and serving his people when as you serve, your motive is purely to help them to see the glory of God and to respond appropriately. And then to transfer all the glory back to him, to lay all of those crowns that have been given to you back before him, laying them at his feet. And at the end of the day, uh, saying, thank you, Lord, for all that you did. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being a co-laborer under your, your work and under your ministry and under your spirit. Mm -hmm. So encourage, we want to encourage you, worship leaders, to have that heart and that the Lord would be very pleased with us. And uh, he would pour out his favor upon us as we give the glory to him. Uh, guys, thank you so much. When we get back together again, we're going to be talking about a very similar topic, but it's going to be how do we handle criticism? And of course, nobody's ever been criticized as a worship leader. No, no, never you, happens. You've never had any <laughs> people talking to you or had anybody no. want to take you out. Never. All right. Probably no one has. So why are we even bothered to talk about that? <laughs> we'll see if we can find some things. Uh, up, yeah. And just as there's a crucible that tests us for praise, there's a crucible that tests us in times of criticism and, and uh, some of those more difficult conversations we have. So when we come back next time, that is what we're going to be talking about. So thanks, everybody. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, TGC Canada for hosting this. And we hope you're encouraged. Thanks, guys. See you next time.